0: Welcome to the Radio 191 FM
1: podcast. From slinging breakfast on Radio 1 to being the mayor who gets it done, it's time for our fortnightly catch up with Dunedin's mayor, we're squawking with Hawkins. Alright we are indeed, good morning to you Aaron, how's the money Good morning. How are we today? I'm very good thank you. Marvellous, marvellous, right we're in full uh, bus karate kid mode, tag on tag off. Um, There have been a few snags, as is going to be with new things. We fully understand this. And I know, like, you know, the buses aren't your thing. They're the ORC. Um, But, you know, as an avid bus traveller, do you think the ORC has done enough to tell us what we need to do? You know, um, do you think, you know, people know that, you know, if you don't have your card, it's $3 uh, that you need to. If you got your card in the post, you have to activate it online first. Uh, Before you can actually use it Uh, Bus drivers say no Uh, The bus drivers I've talked to What do you think?
0: Uh, Well It's always going to be difficult Transitioning to a a new system And this is significantly different um, Than anything That has operated in Dunedin Before, it's it's not unfamiliar To people who have used public transport In in other cities around the country And and around the world and, And so it's inevitable that it will take some bedding in. I mean, for regular I mean, regular passengers sh- should be aware there's reasonably extensive advertising uh, on board yes. uh, buses in the in the weeks and months. The, the difficulty usually is with um, you know casual users who might not necessarily um, be, a, be a, a, a frequent bus passenger uh, and then all of a sudden um, things are uh, a little bit confusing, but I, I would like to think that that would uh, iron out Uh, reasonably quickly. It's it's just forming new habits. It's been a a big week, obviously, in that um, on Monday we had to start Mm. wearing masks and then on Tuesday we had to tag on and tag off and um, also if you're trying to scan QR codes into your COVID train app as you're getting onto the bus, it's a very busy time. It
1: is, it is, you're right.
0: (laughs) So so I think it's important to be be a little patient and um, if you have the option of, of taking a, a slightly earlier bus and allowing slightly longer in the interim as um, I mean, the bus drivers uh, that I've had are doing a great job of explaining to people what's going on but that can uh, slow down your journey uh, somewhat you have to do that over and over again as those of us in Port Chalmers are familiar at the start of the run during cruise ship season as the entire bus network gets explained to every second person who gets on the bus <laughs> uh, this can, this can this can slow things down, but I think in the in, in the in the longer run, uh, the you know tag on tag off system is far more efficient than um, than the the system that we've had previously, and certainly far more efficient than uh, people paying paying cash fees. and it's now significantly cheaper um, to to use a uh, user card. Um, the, the minimum top up uh, it was ten dollars, now it's five dollars. A far more accessible system than it used to be, and. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic,
1: actually. You've got to feel for those bus drivers. Um, they didn't sign up for this. Um, but, you know, they're doing a really good job, especially my bus drivers. Like, uh, one of them only swore once the other day, so I was quite proud of him, actually. <laughs> he swears a lot. Um, when it comes to, like, uh, you know, you just mentioned masks. I just want to bring this one up because I've just noticed it myself. What is the council policy of social distancing on council properties? Because I go to Saturday Morning Sports. And social distancing totally is not a thing at Saturday morning sports. You know, you know, and and you know, we're watching young kids play sports and we're trying to set a good example. And if we're not setting a good example for them social distancing at a, at a place like that, we're not really setting a good example at all. So what is the policy from the council around social distancing on council-owned land? Can it be enforced?
0: Ah, we've well moved from council-owned properties to council-owned land. Sorry, so, I mean council. Well, I,
1: well, I, I, well, I take sports grounds as a property, right?
0: Sure. So <laughs> that, that, that's not uh, that's not our direct domain. Um, the I know, um, you know I've had direct communication from from junior rugby clubs and the Otago rugby football union and, and the codes themselves. Are, are organising and implementing systems to let people carry on playing uh, sports in ways that keep people safe. Um, it's you know it's, it's easier on the sideline of, of some sports than others to keep distance from uh, from other other people, but I think uh, ultimately people need to use their own uh, common sense and, and maintain distance as as is appropriate. I mean. You're not keeping a metre apart, playing under fives ripper rugby, mate, I can tell you that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither so are you. It's not a great
0: spread across the field. <laughs> people, people aren't keeping particularly distant. I mean, we're, we're, we're taking, in, in the facilities that council directly manage, so the, the museum, uh, Toitu and, and the and the Public Art Gallery and, and, and Moana Pool. we're taking these things uh, very seriously, some would say uh, too seriously perhaps, but um, it's, it's uh, we have no direct control over people who hire sports fields for on a Saturday morning.
1: I see, I didn't realise that people hired them. Uh, I should know. Uh, council revenue is down surprise, surprise. Uh, $8 million less than the projected revenue uh, to the year ending the 30th of June. I, I would have thought to myself that's actually quite good considering the um, you know rec- recent events. Uh, am I right or wrong? It's
0: fairly unpredictable and it certainly has been since we were, went through our annual plan process in March, April, May. Um, what we have done is asked for a, a report to come back looking at um, a lot of that is, is foregone revenue that you know, for example we've stopped charging rent to, to tenants in a lot of our commercial buildings to try and uh, support those businesses and obviously stop collecting uh, parking revenue and therefore um, uh, stop collecting revenue from parking infringement notices and those sorts of things. And so, um, what we want to get a better understanding of is um, how that breaks down, if you like, from from things that that we couldn't control, like you know people not taking waste to Green Island, therefore yeah. there's no money coming out of the gate there, versus effectively charges that that we um, forfeited in order to. Uh, help support the community it it was even more difficult to try and predict what's happening for the year ahead so uh, in our budget we had a a $7 million shortfall through loss of revenue and uh, we chose to um, borrow money in the short term to cover that because the alternatives were slashing $7 million out of your operating budget which would have had a significant impact on what we can offer our community uh, or um, piking up the rates by another four to five percent, which wasn't palatable in the current climate, but they were the you know, they were the best guesses that we could make in March or April and certainly when we were trying to do this under alert level four or alert level three three things looked fairly grim and then a few weeks ago uh, that all seemed a distant memory and then we got community transmission in Auckland and now everyone's cautious again and, and so it's it's impossible to know uh, exactly how this is going to play out over the next 12 months. It's certainly something that we will be you know, actively monitoring. Not, not, not like We don't already, but you know, these these sorts of things and, and the implications of the current public health uh, situation are um, a, a key driver of uh, of uncertainty in terms of councils' budgets.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now the council has moved forward with its with its controversial proposal for the new landfill at Smooth Hill no matter where it goes it's going to be controversial um, I don't think there's
0: ever been a landfill project anywhere
1: that wasn't controversial That's right, right that's right or, or any major one, I just, I'm just i just thinking about the um, wind turbines at Laminor Range um, go Moana ahead. Pool Moana Pool, that's right, <laughs> everything everything, probably the octagon when it went from a circle to an actual octagon um what I want to know, though, is it too late to stop us needing to, at some stage over the next 10 to 15 years, export rubbish to other regions? And, you know, what? surely that's going to have a huge cost.
0: Yeah, so there's, there's two deadlines, really, at Green Islands. One is the, the current consent yep. uh, to operate the landfill there. That, that, that runs out in 2023. Um, we can apply to, extend, to have that extended, not the space, but the time. So you could push that out for a, for a few years, maybe. Um, but the other deadline, and I mentioned space, is how much capacity it can take. Yes. So when when Green Island is full, you're never going to get consent to extend the footprint further out to the estuary, um, and so that becomes. Um, Difficult, and yes, it would have been great to be having this conversation ten years ago. Yes, Um, but we didn't for whatever reason. So, you know, if if we're when you get to a point where um, either Green Island is full or its consent expires, and we haven't developed another alternative facility in the district, um, you won't be left with many other options other than sending it to other parts of the South Island. To deal with your rubbish, and I think that's and while that is exactly what we do with, it's worse for a recycling. We send it to other parts of the world to deal with our plastic. Yeah. Um, it, it's certainly not um, not ideal uh, to, to be left in the position where, or more more than that, left in the position where you don't have a choice. So at the moment um, we do, and and so councils lodged consent to develop uh, an, uh, a modern landfill facility at. Smooth Hill, which has been designated for that purpose since the, at least the mid 90s. Um, so, but um, and, you know, we've released all of the documentation that supported that application, and it will now go through the regional council's consenting process. And um, that won't happen quickly, and that will be a, a, an open public process. And that you know, there's no uh, in terms of how the the meetings are managed, and how the information is managed, and anybody can go and download the fifteen hundred pages that we attach to the application mm-hmm. and and pour through that. And I'm sure there are plenty of people doing just that now. And, and those and that is what people will respond to and uh, in submissions uh, to the to the resource consent. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, no matter what, I mean, it's a ten-year development. It's going to it's it's way off yet. So. Um, I don't know. It's going to get pretty expensive. I think. I feel. But um, good on you well, for. M- that's, well,
0: that's the second. That, I mean, that's the other thing. It's one thing to be allowed to build something. Another thing. Yeah. Uh, to ask whether <laughs> what your community has the appetite to spend on a facility, both in terms of its capital cost to build it and yeah. the operating cost to run it, and and so in parallel to the to the consent process, um, the oh. the budget for for the the smooth hill. Um, Will be a key part of the discussion through our ten-year plan, our ten-year budget, um, which um, will be signed off and draft in December, January, and then go out for public feedback in March or April. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, the, the you know whether whether or not you're allowed to do it, um, how much it's co- how much it's going to cost, and whether people are comfortable paying that versus what it would cost you to um, ship your rubbish to. Browns in perpetuity is, um, you know, it's that's
1: that's also key. Well, I give you credit for moving on the, the landfill site because it has been something that's been put in the background for far too long. And, um, you know, I think I talked to you about it before you were even on council. Uh, <laughs> that's like so many years ago. Um, right. So many years. Um, all right. So we'll leave it there. Thank almost you. Seven. Yes, that's right. Almost, yeah, I know. i uh, very. <laughs>
0: I'm sure you
1: do. <laughs> 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 All right, Aaron, thank you so much. We'll leave it there, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, David. Have me. a great day. Cheers. There's the Mayor Aaron Hawkins there. Um, yeah, it's taken a long time to move on Smooth Hill, or moving the tip anywhere. Uh, well, not moving the tip, but creating a new one. Um, we hate landfill, but it is a necessary evil. Um, Because we are terrible at doing things with our rubbish. So maybe if we up our games a little bit in our own households, um, we can probably extend the life of Green Island a little bit longer uh, and might not come to the point where we need to export before we get a new tip. And maybe the footprint of that new tip won't be as big as the footprint of the last one. Right, it is...
0: This was a Radio One ninety-one 91FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.